following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. But I want to take just a couple of minutes and take a chance to center ourselves and prepare ourselves to hear from the Word. And, and the way we'll do that this week is with Autumn Gallegos Greenwich, who's one of our leadership team members and is um, really an expert in meditative prayer. And about once a month, Autumn comes and leads us in a meditation together. And uh, so these next couple of minutes, she's going to do that. It'll be a wonderful thing. Um, So thank you for being here, Autumn. So why don't we practice together a type of ancient prayer um, that we call inward prayer, um, that we call contemplative prayer or meditative prayer. Um, So I usually have us begin by just uh, feeling a sense of uh, your body just sitting here. Um, often we spend a lot of our time pretty distracted in the, the past or, or the future, and there's, there's really a lot of power in just being present, being present with God uh, in this place. Um, so if you're comfortable, I'll have you close your eyes. Um, if not, uh, you're welcome to just let your eyes fall out of focus. Um, often the act of closing your eyes helps to even begin this idea of centering, getting a sense of just your whole self sitting here in the presence of God, in this place with one another. So though this is a silent prayer, we practice doing so corporately. And beginning by just getting a sense of your breathing. Breath connects us to our life. Breath connects us to the life that God has given us in this moment. The power of being present with God's gift of life to us now. Feeling your breath moving in and moving out. Acknowledging that your breath connects you to the very first thing you ever did. It'll be the last thing you ever do. The in-breath is a promise of the out-breath. The out-breath, the promise of the in-breath. And as we're sitting here together, I want you to consider water. Today we witness the power of water in our faith community. I want you to consider water. Not necessarily thinking about water, just to practice experiencing water, what water is to you. If possible, practicing reflecting that water. In this prayer, may we practice the stillness of water. May your life, may this moment be a reflection of the stillness of water. In this prayer, may we, may we practice reflecting the depth of water. May your life be a reflection of depth. Thank you. 
In this prayer, may we practice being the cleansing nature of water. May our life be a reflection of the gift that God gives us in cleansing us through water. May we reflect the nourishment of water. May our life be nourishing to others and bear fruit as water does and helps. Through water, the symbol of water in our faith, God takes us to be his own. And consider these words, the words that Pastor Scott said earlier, the prayer that was spoken earlier over the water. We thank you, Almighty God, for the gift of water. Over it, the Holy Spirit moved in the beginning of creation. Through it, you led the children of Israel out of their bondage in Egypt into the land of promise. In it, your son Jesus received the baptism of John and was anointed by the Holy Spirit as the Messiah, the Christ, to lead us through his death and resurrection from the bondage of sin into everlasting life. We thank you, Father, for the water of baptism. In it we are buried with Christ in his death. By it we share in his resurrection. Through it we are reborn by the Holy Spirit. Amen. I don't know about you, but some, sometimes that experience is the longest period of silence I have all month long. Um, and every time it happens, I'm reminded of the gift of being silent and of praying silently. And then I seem to forget it before I leave the, <laughs> this place. And so um, I'm grateful that at least once a month we are asked to be silent just for a few minutes. So thank you, Autumn. By the way, I forgot to, to give you um, these certificates, those of you who are baptized and dedicated, and so I just want to say it now so I don't forget. There are certificates here and flowers, and for those who are baptized, there are vials of the actual baptism water that you can take home with you today, and we'll make sure that we connect before we leave today, okay? I should have given that to you earlier. I want to revisit briefly, um, I promise, one of the passages of Scripture that I read during the, the baptism liturgy, and it's the one from Acts 2, 38 through 42. And if you would like to follow along, um, you can take one of the red Bibles that's nearby under your chair or in the seat pocket in front of you. You can also just listen along. That's totally acceptable. But if you use these, it's on page 886. This is part of a, this passage is part of a sermon that the Apostle Peter gave on the day of Pentecost. Now, 
after the resurrection of Jesus, all of those early Christians, or not, not, probably not all, every single one, but many of them were gathered together. The whole assembly of Christians had gathered together, and the Holy Spirit had descended on them, and it was this amazing, bizarre event where, where tongues of fire were on their heads, and they began to speak in all kinds of different languages, proclaiming the gospel of Christ in the languages of all the different people who had gathered there in Jerusalem, which was a multicultural city. And because of the crazy racket that they were making, speaking in all these different languages, people around them thought that it was a bunch of drunkards carrying on. Like um, New Year's Eve in Times Square or St. Patrick's Day on Main Street. (laughs) And what Peter said to them was, no, these are not Drunkards, it's only nine in the morning, which I think is a funny thing to say. (laughs) Um, He apparently knew some of the people there because he didn't say they would never do that. He said it's only nine in the morning. What he says, they're not drunk. This is actually a fulfillment of an old prophecy from Joel in the Old Testament that God would pour out his spirit on everyone and sons and daughters would prophesy. Sons and daughters. Old men would dream dreams and young men would see visions and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. He was connecting that to the the scriptures of the Jewish faith, which all of those people would know. And so the people who were there were astounded by this and they asked, what should we do? And Peter's answer is the passage that I read earlier, and I'm going to read it again to you right now. Acts 2, 38 through 42. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Essentially saying to them, you will receive the same gift that all of these people have just received. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now I want to talk about two parts of this story. And the the two parts of this story are in what, what I see as a very beautiful tension with each other. And our faith sits right at the fulcrum of that tension. And everything we've talked about, with, everything we've done today with baptism is right in the center of that, that tension. The first thing is what he says in verse 38. This is a very stark, almost harsh statement. Repent. The first word he says is repent. When they say, what should we do? Change your ways, essentially. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the Holy Spirit. And a couple verses later, he says something else, which is even more kind of stark. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. (laughs) Which kind of sounds like something you might hear a a loudmouth preacher say nowadays. I don't tend to be a loudmouth preacher. But that's where it starts. Peter is very clear with the people. He doesn't soft-pedal it or candy-coat it. He says that the the requirement for entering into this new covenant, this new 
agreement that God is making with all these people, the requirement of that and the starting point of it is ultimately the same requirement that's placed on all of us. It's the requirement to repent, to change your ways, to turn from your past way of life and be forgiven. I like how those two things are paired together because to me, repentance is simply, it's, it's simply this action, you know, turning around, right? I was going this way and now in an act of repentance, I say I want to go this way. But wherever the line is between me and God, light years on the other side, what used to be behind me, it is too far for me to reach it, and so I need forgiveness as well. And so the act of repentance is the act of turning and stepping into that forgiveness. And the good news is that no matter how far, how many light years you have walked away from God, the, the forgiveness comes with the concomitant with the first step back toward him. And by the way, this verse, the one about repent, it, it supports those who might prefer that only adults be baptized. Because obviously a little tiny baby isn't capable of repentance on his or her own. Not, not, doesn't have the capacity for intentional and conscious decision to follow Jesus. So in infant baptism, what we're, what we're saying is that we're trusting in the, we're, we're relying on the grace of God and, and expressing the faith of the parents who bring the child into that grace. Uh, but this verse, it would certainly speak to believer, what's called believer baptism. In other words, adults being baptized. So that's the first part, repent and be forgiven. And the second part is verse 39. He says... For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. Now here we have a nice balance to that first rather brash call from the verse before. See, it's not just a call to repentance, and it's not just about being saved from a corrupt generation. It's also the embrace of of a promise that's been made and given. And notice also that it is a response to God calling people to himself. The promise is for everyone. For you, for your children, for all who are far away and far from God, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And if you think about that, that supports those who emphasize the sacred mystery that is expressed in baptism. And that it is appropriate for everyone, (laughs) particularly in this verse, including children. The promise is given to them as well. So what I would like to say to you now is this. The words that Peter spoke to his audience in Jerusalem in 33 AD or so, those words are still true for you today. Number one, you are all sinners in need of repentance. 
and forgiveness. And you are part of a corrupt generation. Now, somebody's going to try to tell you at some point in your life that this generation is, is uniquely corrupt or more corrupt or somehow differently corrupt from the generation of 33 AD or so. And just, t- just smile and nod and go about your business. <laughs> the corruptness, the corruption of our generation is maybe a different color uh, and a different shape from the corruption of the generation that Peter was a part of. But it is not different in, in character or nature. The corruption is fairly universal among human beings. You don't have to walk too many steps on this earth to encounter it. And you need to be saved from it. And as we've talked about in previous weeks, salvation is not just this um, eternal insurance policy, ticket to heaven kind of thing that we sometimes hear preached. It is salvation from a corrupt generation. So number one, you are part of that generation. You are sinners in need of forgiveness and you must do as Peter said and repent. If you haven't, then you you need to do that. Number two is, is better news, easier news to hear at least, and that is that you are all heirs with an H, as in about to inherit, to the promise of God. The promise is not just for the religious, it's not just for the chosen few, it's not just for the so-called and misinterpreted, in my opinion, predestined. It is not just for those who are already here. It is for all of us. It's for you, for your children, for all who are far from God, for everyone that God calls to himself. And so if you have become, uh, perhaps this morning, acutely aware of your own need for forgiveness and, and are hearing the call of the Spirit that you need to repent... Or if, on the other hand, you have had maybe a softer, gentler experience but have finally come to believe that God's promise is, in fact, for you, that that whatever it is that you hate about yourself and that others might hate about you, God loves you. And it is not enough to separate you from Him if you seek Him. Well, if, if either of those things is true for you, then... I suppose I would be derelict in my duty if I didn't at least give you a chance, if you haven't done it yet, to to come to these same waters of baptism. Uh, We would not keep you from the water (laughs) today, if that was you. Um, We have even an an extra towel. (laughs) You may also want to do as Gina did and, and... have a ceremonial and sacred reaffirmation of something that happened when you were a child and and it didn't mean anything to you until very recently. Now, if either of those things is true for you, this is a moment for boldness. I'm just going to keep going unless somebody stands up and says, ah, me. (laughs) And that's okay if it happens and it's okay if it doesn't. But I will take just a sip of water.
Now, we also respond to God's grace and offer his offer of forgiveness, even after our baptism, even after we've been walking with Jesus for a day or a month or a year or a decade or a lifetime. And we respond every week here at Artisan at the table of the Lord at, at Holy Communion. And this bread and this wine are also signs and sacred mysteries of the love of God for each person in this room and for every person in the world who's not in this room. That covers everybody, right? And so our response to hearing the word is, is always to come to communion. And what I'd like to do today to maybe make this communion um, special in a unique way is take some of this water in which uh, so many artisans have been baptized over the years. And I'm going to pour it into this font here. So that when you come to communion, if you choose to come to communion, you have a chance to pause and touch that water and remember your own baptism, whether it was moments ago, years ago, (laughs) decades ago, or a lifetime ago. (laughs) And these are the sacraments that we celebrate together, baptism and Holy Communion. Any person who has uh, been baptized and is seeking to follow Jesus in this place today is welcome to this table. It is open, regardless of your uh, success or failure in following Jesus. Tolstoy said that thing about, um, I can't quote it exactly, but what does it matter if I drunkenly stagger back and forth across the road as long as I end up at home at the end? This is not a sign of your ability to do anything. It's a sign of what Christ did for you, just as baptism is. And so um, if you'd like to come and participate in that together with with others here, and and in so doing, join yourselves to all the Christians in our city and around the world and throughout time who've done this same thing again and again, then this table is open for you. Uh, We have a a song that will play that's a a beautiful reflection on baptism, and then the band is going to lead us in one more song together that we'll sing. but this table is open. And if you are uh, not a person who's chosen to, to walk this path uh, yet, then thank you for being here. And it's totally okay for you to sit and reflect and, and meditate or pray, whatever you'd like to do. Um, you're welcome to be here no matter how you decide to respond to this moment of our service. Um, but let's pray together and then the table will be open. Lord, we give you thanks for the beauty of these sacraments, the waters of baptism. And the bread, which is your body, and the wine, which is your blood. As we pause and reflect on our baptism, and as we receive this spiritual food offered to us by Jesus himself, may you fill us again with your Holy Spirit. Renew us in your love so that we can always delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen.
For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.